Welcome to the Rehope Podcast. Before we dive into this week's message, we'd like to provide you with some helpful resources. If you'd like someone to pray for you, it would be our joy to connect with you. So please email us at prayer at rehope.co.uk. If you'd like to get connected with an online Bible read-through group from wherever you are in the world, you can email brt at rehope.co.uk and be a part of a small group of people reading through the Bible cover to cover each year. Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. Um, happy Easter again. I'm not going to get tired of saying that again and again today. Happy Easter. It's Resurrection Sunday. It's Let's go, baby. Love that. It's one of those days where we get to just like pour out the joy, pour out the excitement, and um, yes, really excited to celebrate the risen Jesus with you. Uh, let me start by blessing you in his powerful name. And I bless you in the name of Jesus to know Jesus even more wonderfully today, to receive healing in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, and in your spirit today. I bless you to receive help and guidance from God so that you can flourish in this season no matter what challenges or circumstances you find yourself in so that you can prevail. And I bless you to experience the love and the joy and the hope and the peace of the risen Jesus today. May it be. I've really been into Easter this year. I see Ryan and I were talking about this in the car on the way here, like really been into Easter. And it's not always been like that for me in the past. Um, it's, it has been a little different. And on the day that we celebrated our autumn feast back in September, I asked you guys, if you're here then, in the form of a little Instagram poll, if you preferred Easter or Christmas, and the results are going to be up on the screen, and you can see that Christmas took it quite definitively. Actually, that wasn't the question. The question is, what one brings you the most joy? And Christmas took it definitively. 26 people voted for Christmas, only six for Easter, and uh, some people were somewhere in the middle for Easter. And full disclosure, I voted for Christmas, so no judgment here, but Christmas definitely does have some things over Easter, I think. And one of those is like the build-up to Christmas, right? Do you know? Like the build-up. I really like having like four weeks of Advent where you can really get into everything. And sometimes, you know, you're like so excited for Christmas and the build-up. And then even better than that, you've got like the little like uh, hibernation week after Christmas where you can do some like post-Christmas thinking. You've got like Hogmanay there for like a nice like marker of the end of that season. You get to do like a little bit of post-Christmas thinking as well. And uh, sometimes it feels like at Easter, it's just like boom and it's done. It's Palm Sunday, it's Resurrection Sunday and we're done up in here. And you don't get any buildup or anything at all. And I think that's a wee shame for Easter. Or at least I did think that um, until this year um, when I was like, you know, celebrating Easter is like really compressed. Like all of the celebrating gets done in a really short period of time. And on reflection, maybe that's like pretty apt for Easter. And this year, this year I've been reading through um, the gospel accounts. Um, one of the things that hit me hardest was the real sense of like momentum in the story. Like once things get going, it feels like there is no stopping them. And I bet the Pharisees felt that on Palm Sunday. Do you know when they see that after all that they had tried to do to stop Jesus, nothing uh, looked like, at that time especially, nothing looked like um, it was working and things were out of control. 
Jesus told Judas to do his thing quickly. And to be fair, he did. Um, Judas had betrayed Jesus, become consumed with guilt, and killed himself all within a few hours. And this year, I was like, yo, Judas killed himself while Jesus was still at the governor's house. Judas being dead and Jesus still being alive was like a little like timeline thing that I didn't realize before this year. And I was just like, yo, this is nuts. Like the chaos of it all. And Peter gets swept up in the chaos of it all. Like Jesus warns him, like, watch out because you're going to betray me. And Peter like is so swept up in all the chaos of all the things happening all at once that he kind of just forgets about that until after he's done it. Then he remembers Jesus' words, and they, it's too late for that heart check. And you know, there's no waiting around for the chief priests or the elders or any of those dudes. Like they have their stuff done. Like we're not waiting till morning. No sleep till Golgotha. They have Jesus on a cross by 9 a.m. Like what did you do before 9 a.m. this morning? I know I don't usually get very much done before 9 a.m., but yo, these guys are on it. Like everything happens all at once. The narrative is relentless. And I suppose not having that big, long, drawn out, like lots of space, build up to Easter kind of suits Easter. Like Easter is momentum. Easter is like everything happening all at once. And then you get to this one verse that comes in the section about people burying Jesus. Um, let me read it for you. It's, it's from Luke 23, um, starting in verse 55. It says, the women who had come with him from Galilee followed along and observed the tomb and how his body was placed. I'm sure given plenty of instructions to make sure that they were honoring Jesus rightly with his burial. Um, and then they returned and prepared spices and perfumes. And they rested on the Sabbath according to the commands. Like after all of the chaos of that, like Thursday night, Friday, like all of that, then comes Saturday and it is the Sabbath, and these women are obedient to God's commands, and they choose to rest for probably the longest 24 hours of their lives. Like, isn't that so challenging? Like, I know that I've come up with way worse reasons to be like, well, you know, I would love, I mean, like, I would love to Sabbath, you know, but way worse reasons and all this comes after the craziest 24 hours of their lives you know like sometimes whenever like you're really busy and then you do get a chance to slow down and it takes your like brain your heart like an extra day to slow down like these i'm sure these ladies are in like absolute turmoil right now not being able to do something but choosing to rest like craziness when their friend and their rabbi and their master has been killed no funeral no closure no mourning or at least not in the way that was custom at the time, so you're just there, do you know? 24 hours of like, can we? When everything has been happening all at once and then you've just got this lull. At least it feels like that. So what do they do next? Well, we get a pretty good impression from, from the, the next verse, what they're doing. It says on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb bringing the spices that they had prepared. Feels like they're waiting at the door. Feels like they're just like checking their watches, being like, is it not the Sabbath yet? Because they want to go and do something. It feels like the very second it's not the Sabbath, they are out the door. Feels like resting and Sabbathing for those 24 hours might kill the momentum of the story, but these dudes aren't hanging 
around, like there's an urgency up in here. And these ladies don't know what has happened yet. Like they don't know that Jesus has risen yet, but they have an urgency to do their thing, the thing that they wanted to do. They have an urgency to honor Jesus. And they have an urgency to honor him by doing what is right at the first opportunity. Like, don't he just get it dead? Well, what, what? What do you need to get done? Like, roll a, like they saw where he was buried, like roll a stone back themselves. And I mean, like, I don't know, like maybe the stone actually wasn't as big as it appears to be in the artist's impression illustrations that we might have seen of the garden tomb. Maybe it wasn't that big. Or like, to be fair, there are a bunch of the ladies who go, maybe they could handle it. Or maybe I'm just like projecting my own expectations of my own spaghetti arms onto them and thinking there's no way they're gonna move that stone. Maybe they could ask the armed guards to help them. Oh yeah, right, the armed guards, whose paid assignment it is to let none of Jesus' disciples into that tomb at any point. Like, what are these lassies expecting to do? Good luck with that. And I don't know what they were thinking. Like, I don't know how they were thinking that this was going to work out. But I respect them. Like, I respect their brains out because they weren't ready to wait a single second to go and do what was right. Like, got out there with no little determination, but also no little risk. And I mean, we know what they're going to find from our vantage point in history. We know but they don't know. And can you imagine what that would be like for them? What they find. Like they find the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the man, he's not here, but he's risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying it was necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified and rise on the third day? And they remembered his words. Returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and to the rest. And Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women who were with them were telling the apostles these things, but... These words seemed like nonsense to them. They did not believe the women. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. And when he stooped to look in, he saw only linen cloths. He went away amazed at what had happened. I really look to Peter for like hope in this. I really relate to Peter as a character. He's a dude who seems to be like really into the things that he's really into. Like, he's ready to go for it in a big way, no matter what it is. His foot might end up in his mouth, but he is gonna go for it. Big emotions, heart on a sleeve kind of dude. And it feels like he has these really high moments, but when he feels, he takes it so hard. And um, I don't know about you, but I can really relate to that. And Peter is just coming off a moment where he, like, he really let Jesus down. Like, he denied that he even knew him. And the last thing that he did for his master was pretend that he didn't know him. And now he's dead. 
I'm supposed to make it up to him now. I don't know about you, but have you ever done something to like hurt somebody's feelings and you feel like you would rather do anything than actually like see them and have to look them in the eye and you just kind of want to like avoid them? Maybe it's kind of how I react sometimes. Like if I know I've upset somebody, I'm like, oh, I have to face them at some point, but I want that to not be now. But that's... Um, this is where me relating to Peter ends because he doesn't try and avoid the circumstances. He gets up and he runs. I'd be hiding, he runs. And he hasn't believed that Jesus has risen from the dead yet. But if this thing that the lassies say is true, if, if Jesus has risen from the dead, there's hope for him, hope to apologize Hope to say I never should have done that. You warned me and I didn't listen and I'm sorry. Hope to restore that relationship. Hope to demonstrate to Jesus that he's gonna, like Peter's gonna put this right. I mean, part of being sorry is saying that you're sorry. And part of being sorry is showing that you're sorry through how you act going forward. And Peter has hope if this is true. Hope for forgiveness. And Peter runs to the hope of redemption. Friends, the good news is this. God loves you. He really, really does. And because of his love, there's hope for you and hope for your future. Like run, run to him. If there's a sin in your life that's niggling your relationship with Jesus, if there's something that you know that you're doing, that is you deliberately choosing to live outside of God's will and desire for your life, run to him and receive forgiveness. It's there for you. Run to him. Receive redemption. Don't let guilt or shame like hold you back at all. Make things right. Because we're not talking about if anymore. We're talking about since what those lassies said is true since Jesus is risen from the dead to prove his supremacy over sin and guilt and shame and the devil and death and all of that stuff. That means there is hope for you and hope for your future to be free of all of the garbage and live in the life transforming for the better love of Jesus. So run, why would you wait? Like Easter is urgency, Easter is momentum go for it. And maybe you might think that like Sabbathing for 24 hours um, would kill the momentum, but it just hasn't. We're back. It's like people come back and tell you one thing and you get up out of the room and run and you do it right now. Easter is relentless and everything goes back to just doing everything all at once. Like get this. Now on that same day, two of them are on the way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And together they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. And then he asked them, what's, like, what's this dispute that you're having with each other as you're walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. And the one named Clopas answered him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know these things, the things that happened there in these days? What things? 
he asked them. They said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a powerful prophet in action and speech before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him, but uh, we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Anyway, besides all this, like, it's the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. Like, they arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, they came back and reported that they'd seen, like, a vision of angels who said that he was arrived. But some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. And he said to them, how foolish you are. Whoa. <laughs> okay. How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. They came near to where they were going, and he gave the impression that he was going to go further, but they urged him, stay with us, for it's almost evening, and now the day is almost over. So he went to stay with them, and it was as he was reclining at the table with them that he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight, and they said to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, explaining the scriptures to us. And that very hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the 11 and those with them gathered together. The Lord has truly been raised and has appeared to Simon. And then they began to describe what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of bread. Okay, that's a lot, but for the longest time with this story, I thought the road to Emmaus story happened like one week after the resurrection. Probably because I'm a Sunday school kid, and this is the story you hear in Sunday school, like one week after Easter. So that timeline was just like put into my brain. And it was only when um, I went to teach this story when um, I was leading We Hope, probably in my late 20s, maybe early 30s, that I noticed the first words of this section. It was like on that same day. And I'm like, yo, this happens on Easter Sunday evening? No way. Like, wow. Okay, cool. Right. This changes everything. And it was exciting. Do you know, it was exciting. Um, like it happens on the same day. Dudes are heading out of Jerusalem and they don't know what to make of any of this. And then Jesus pops up and he's all coy with them. And then he hits them with it. And when he finally reveals himself and disappears, they respond with urgency. And that's an urgency to tell. Like they ditch dinner. Well, maybe not. It says that they went that very hour, not that very moment, but still. Like it was evening when they arrived in Emmaus. So then they stopped to like prepare dinner and like started to eat dinner. And then Jesus does the thing and he disappears and then probably finished. But like they are like getting back on the road in the nighttime. And they're walking that seven miles back to tell everyone, this will not wait. This cannot wait till morning. Probably safer if we go in the morning. But this cannot wait until morning. Because sometimes when you've got good news, you just have to tell it. When you've got something to celebrate, you just have to celebrate it. And people want to celebrate with you, do you know? Like to share in the joy of the moment with you. Like telling good news is really fun. 
And I can only think of really like one time in my life whenever I've like had this thing and it, it happened um, just in like last winter, actually. Uh, Jamie and I got, uh, Jamie used to live in America and we were having like real trouble getting our stuff back. And it got us email to say that our stuff that had been like, we packed it over a year ago, it was ready to be delivered. I freaked out. And um, I was working at Rehope West End. We live um, near there and I ran home to tell Jamie, she was at home, and I ran home, and I got into the kitchen, and she was just like, I don't know what he's about to say, but I was just like, ah, yeah, and I got the email, and the stuff is coming, and she's like, okay, right, cool, but that couldn't wait, I just could not wait, like, it wouldn't wait until five o'clock, I had, I waited until lunchtime, because I'm professional, <laughs> but at lunchtime, I'm out of there, and I've got to tell Jamie, and sometimes when you've got good news to tell, you've just got to tell it, and when you tell it, it's like it amplifies the good news because somebody gets to celebrate with you, like somebody gets to share in the moment with you. And like an amazing way to turn one person's joy into a bunch of people's joy is to tell the good news of what God has done for you. And an amazing way to turn one person's celebration into like a bunch of people's celebration is to tell people like, God answered my prayers. I love the dudes here and their urgency to tell it. Won't wait until morning. I've got to tell it now. Some news is worth telling right now. But hold on, you say. Pause for a minute, Crooksy, because this sounds great and everything, but didn't the lassies go straight back to everybody and tell them too? And nobody believed them. And all of a sudden, these guys go and tell. And then everybody's like, okay, cool, great. What about the ladies? What about their urgency to tell? Does that not count? Thank you. I'm glad you brought that up. The lassies did come straight back and tell. They had that urgency. Yes, they did. They came back and told the apostles, just like these dudes on their road to Emmaus. And, but you, kinda, you get from like this thing where it says the word seemed like nonsense, and they did not believe the woman. And then the second time, they're saying like the Lord has truly been raised. So how do you get from like that to that? How do you get from nonsense to truly been raised? How do you get from confusion and nonsense and unbelief to, to emphatically declaring truly all in the space of a matter of hours? Everything happens all at once. Well, you know, it tells us right here, like Jesus appeared to Simon. Simon is Peter. And um, while um, those dudes were on their journey, at some point, Jesus appeared to Peter. Um, the Bible doesn't feel the need to tell us um, the details of that encounter, but it tells us that it happened. And it did happen. Like, Jesus, the risen Jesus, appeared. The dudes on the road, like, told Jesus that the lassies had seen a vision of angels. And maybe that's how those two men are, like, understanding or at least trying to understand what happened like maybe the ladies genuinely interpreted the events themselves as a vision as opposed to like angels being right there physically present like right there with them actually factually that sounds like a very tempting rabbit hole to go down and like figure out and talk all about but i'm not going to but the difference maker for this is that the men met with jesus they met with him do you know when they were like, oh, these ladies said this, they had a vision of angels, he said he was alive, but we went and we looked and we didn't see him. When you meet with him, 
that makes all the difference. And we know at the garden, Jesus met with Mary. He's met with these dudes on the road. He's met with Peter. Like Jesus is urgent to meet with his people. He has an urgency to meet with his people. And when he does, that changes everything for them. It's an encounter with the living, risen Jesus that turns a dude from confused to convinced. It's an encounter with the living, risen Jesus that turns dudes from disappointed to hearts on fire. And it's an encounter with the living Jesus that turns people who are walking away or drifting away in failure to running back to Jesus. It's an encounter with the living, risen Jesus that makes the complete difference for good in our lives. And he wants to meet with you to meet you in whatever circumstances that you're in so that it can make the difference, like the like difference for good, the difference. And I wonder if you can relate to the ladies in this story, do you know, or and to their audience, like just kind of confusion about life and you don't know what's coming next or whatever. Like when you meet with Jesus and turn your confusion into clarity, that sounds amazing. Or maybe you can relate to Peter, you know that there's forgiveness that you need to receive, redemption you need to receive. Like, maybe you can relate to the gentleman on the road. Like, do you need to meet with Jesus and rele release disappointment that you have and receive a heart set on fire? Sounds really good too. Or maybe it's something else. You'll know. You'll know what it is. Whatever circumstances you find yourself in today, God loves you. There's hope for you. There's hope for your future, and Jesus wants to meet with you like he met with these men and women on the first Easter Sunday, and he's not going to hang around um, and like, I don't know, maybe wait for the best opportunity. He wants to meet with you today because it's just Easter, and everything happens all at once, just like it did for them, because as they were saying these things, he himself stood in their midst and said to them, peace to you. Just a little challenge for you this week. It's a really easy one. And actually, you can knock this one out before you even go home. Um, our challenge for this week is to stay and feast with us this morning. Celebrate your risen king. Like, celebrate with joy and celebrate um, with his people. Spread it out. Like, receive joy. Like, and I, I really, uh, something that we, we had a, a sense about in pre-service prayer, that there's joy for us today that is there to be felt. Do you know? Like, to really enjoy the moment of meeting with Jesus, celebrating with his people. Um, I believe that you have got what it takes to do this. I believe in you.